Let's read about the love of a mother and the love of a God to that mother and through that mother to her son in the sermon text for today from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, This is projected and also printed in the worship folder beginning on page 4. There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. So something happened in here. Hannah had a son. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her. Young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. This is God's word. I'm going to tell you a few things about mothers that you may not know. So, your stinky socks and your stained shirts, those aren't magically replaced every time you make them dirty by by new shirts that are nicely ironed or folded and put in your drawer just where you can find them. They're not replaced by those nice little socks folded just the way that you like them, maybe folded over each other or just folded in half depending on your preface. That's not angels. They don't do that work. Mom does that. And uh, when it comes to cooking healthy meals and cleaning up the dishes in the dirty kitchen and creating the tastiest potato salad in the world, yeah, the elves don't do that. Mom does that. Did you know that? And put together all of the influence on you of all of your friends 
the pastors you've had over the years, your Sunday school teachers, your coaches, your teachers in school, put together all of them combined and they do not have as much influence on you and your character and your spiritual well-being as your mom does. Now, with all of this selfless sacrifice, all of the signing of permission slips and all of the shuttling of kids to soccer practice and all of the uh, cleaning up your face and other dirty things, moms aren't very popular. And here's what I mean by that. When we were little munchkins, oh, maybe not that little, maybe not toddlers, but elementary age, right? I don't think we understood the significance and the importance of our moms. But we'd stand in front of our open closet, looking at the floor and everywhere, and say, Mom, I can't find my shoes! And before we had finished the S on shoes, she'd be standing there with our shoes, smiling. And then as teens, we became embarrassed by our moms, you know. All they wanted to do was love us up and kiss us in public in front of our friends. But we were like, ew, stay away, right? But mom's not always popular. And then we grow up and we date and we marry and we have kids of our own. And somehow, some way, mom kind of gets put a little bit further back on the shelf, maybe even a lower shelf sometimes. And then she gets old and develops Alzheimer's and she's a lonely widow. And we don't visit her as much or send her as many cards as we like, we'd like to, as she deserves. That's what I mean by moms aren't always as popular as they should be for who they are. Um, it's easy as kids, even as grown children who still have mothers, um, it's easy to forget them. And so I have a verse. I found this verse in Isaiah chapter 49. And, and I want to make sure we understand this for today, that, that this sermon is about God and God's love. It's not really about mothers. But I hope moms look at it through God's love, and I hope all of us who are kids and have moms see God's love too. So here's a verse about God's love for all of us, for moms who can be forgetful about their children's needs, and for sons or daughters who can forget their moms and how beautiful and precious they are. Isaiah 49 verse 15 says this. This is God talking. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So for all the forgetting we've done when it comes to motherhood, mothers forgetting, kids forgetting, God says, I know, but I don't forget you ever. Uh, Jesus sees mothers when you feel undervalued and underappreciated. Um, Jesus had his own cross, saw his own mother, and gave John to her and her to John. Jesus sees you. God does not forget you, moms. And he doesn't forget us who have moms and, and his love and strength that we need to care for them. And we do. So today we rejoice in God's love. We rejoice in the calling of motherhood. And we say this, that Christian mothers are the best mothers. We appreciate them. We celebrate them. And we're here to encourage you who are moms too and build you up. So moms, how can it be that 
you're supposed to think that you're valued and that you're appreciated and that you're important when nobody in the family can manage to find the dirty clothes basket and they throw all their clothes all over all the rest of the rooms, not where they're supposed to go. How are you supposed to feel appreciated? You feel appreciated this way, remembering this, that you're, you have a calling as a mother and your calling as a mother is from God. The position of mother is a calling from God. Hannah knew that. Right? So in, in the first Samuel section of Scripture that I read today, remember it said Hannah didn't have any children. Why didn't she have children? The Lord closed her womb. And then when she did have children, right, she says to Eli the priest, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted what I asked. The Lord has granted what I asked. Hannah saw motherhood for what it is. It's a calling from God. Oh, moms, you're going to save yourselves a lot of trouble and a lot of worrying and a lot of missteps if you can just remember and practice this more than anything, that motherhood is a calling from God. You, you don't sign up for it. You don't volunteer for it. You don't get, you go to school for it. You don't watch YouTube videos. Well, maybe you do a little bit after you become a mom or during your pregnancy. But it's something that God gives to you. If we remember that, we can remember three important things about motherhood. Identity, quantity, and quality. Motherhood is not as much an identity as it is a calling. Your identity is female. Your identity is a child of God. Those are essential to who you are and who, who God has made you to be. But God has not made all females who are children of God to be mothers. So it's not a necessary part of your identity. So there are times when you, as a mom, can just be a woman and not a mom in that calling. You can just be a wife and not a mom. You can take care of yourself and not your kids. You can have a job or a career, you, right? There are, all those are different callings when it comes to being a mom. Mom is one of them, and it's an important one, but you have other callings too. For those of you who are not mothers, it's not like God looks at you and doesn't see you with as much favor or, or grace or care as he sees the lady with six kids climbing on her lap. It's not that you're performing in any less of a way than she's performing. God has just, in his wisdom, decided, I have callings for you, and one of them is not a mother. And I have callings for you, and one of them is a mother. You have, if you're not a mother, you don't have that calling. You still have an identity, a precious, beloved, important, valued identity. If you're the mom of grown kids and then you can't act that out anymore in that role, you are still, you still have an identity, right? You see how that important that is? Because we can get that mixed up with what's important and what's prioritized. So motherhood is a calling from God. It's a gift from Him. And God blesses everyone in different ways. Secondly, quantity, as in how many kids should you have, right? Much of the same applies. You may, ha you may be a married woman with no kids. You may be a single woman, not even married, and you don't have kids. That quantity is zero. That's, that's okay, because God is the one who blesses you with kids or no kids, and then God may bless you with 12 kids or 6 kids or 4 kids 
Um, it's God who closes wombs and open wombs, it says in 1 Samuel 1. So trust God and look to him when it comes to the quantity of kids. Now quality, as in what are my kids going to be like if you are a mom? Right? What, what do I want them to be like and how are they going to turn out? Um, maybe some children turn out exactly the way that their mommy wants them to turn out, whether they're in third grade or graduating from preschool or graduating from college or grown adults or, or parenting their own kids. Maybe, but I think it's rare. I think moms have expectations that can be hard to meet or we always have our ways that we want our family members, especially our children, to behave and they don't always behave in the quality of the way that we want them to behave. Sometimes that means moms will hang on tight and not be able to let go. Because they want to control their kids and their grandkids in a way that they say is right. I'm here to say, moms, you got to let go. you got to let go. And you let go because you, you trust that the quality of your children is not in your hands alone. And not in just your and your husband's or your family's hands, but in God's hands. Right? So remembering that motherhood is a calling. The God who called you to be a mother is going to work on the quality of your children as well. And it's okay to let them go to preschool and let them go to college and let them move away and let them join the Peace Corps and let them become soldiers and fight in Afghanistan. It's okay. Um, God, God will lead them and guide them. So motherhood is a calling. That's what's, that's what's important here. Um, but mothers, motherhood is still difficult. It's not easy. I don't say that as a mother. I say that as someone who made the motherhood of my mother more difficult. How did you make your mom's job difficult? Um, yeah, maybe you brought a snake into the house, right? Uh, I, when I was, I think I was about four or five years old. Here's how I made my mom's life difficult. I was sitting in the back seat. There weren't, there weren't children's seats in those days. So I was just five-year-old plopped on the back seat, not even a seatbelt on. We pulled up. We were actually at Grandma's house. I was in the seat behind the driver's side, as I, as I remember it, and my mom was driving. And uh, we opened the doors to get out, and I didn't get out right away, but some, something caught my attention down on the floor in front of me, and I leaned to get it, and I put my hand in the door frame, and as I was reaching to get that thing, instead of obeying my mom and getting out of the car like she wanted me to do, she slammed her door. And uh, I can show you the scar to this day. It's right there. Um, that, ooh, that hurt. But, you know, skin pulled off. You could see my bone, my knuckle. I was in Grandma's house. I remember this, you know, the blood, the putting in it, soaking it in a pan of water, and off to the doctor we went in the emergency room. And that's how I made my mom's life difficult for that day. I, do you want me to tell you 18 more stories? Um, <laughs> you, you have stories of your own, right? We make our mom's job not always easy. Uh, Hannah's job wasn't easy, and I'm going to give you two reasons her job wasn't easy, and it had nothing to do with Samuel making it not easy, though he probably did in his ways. Here are two reasons why Hannah's job as a mother wasn't easy. Number one, Hannah lived in the time of the judges. 
And in that time frame of the Bible, it was, it was a wicked time. And even the leaders that God gave to his people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, even the leaders we call judges, they were kind of this mix of, of military heroes and civil judges and spiritual leaders. Um, Eli was, was an aging priest and a spiritual leader in those days. And his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the acting priests. And here's what it says about the acting priests. Although this is Hannah's church during a wicked time, and it says, they were wicked men who had no regard for the Lord. How would you like your pastor to have no regard for the Lord? That's what Hannah was experiencing in her church. That made it hard for her to be a godly woman and mother. Secondly, and perhaps more, more impactful day to day, did you catch from when I read in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah was Elkanah's wife, right? And then there was this other girl, Peninnah. And she wasn't a mistress. She wasn't a sister-in-law. She was Elkanah's other wife. So there, was, there were certain periods of time in the scriptures where God's people practiced polygamy. Um, Solomon had multiple wives. And it's a little mysterious in the scriptures as to why God doesn't come hammering down on this because God doesn't believe in polygamy. One man, one woman, married. But it appears that there were times in the scriptures where he put up with it in ways because he was dealing with other matters or just he, he wasn't specifically addressing it or at least it's not reported in scripture. So it says nothing in here about God coming down on Elkanah for having more than one wife. But you see the problems that developed. Right? You see the, the dysfunction that took place where Peninnah would just needle Hannah because uh, Hannah was getting more from Elkanah than Peninnah was. More, more love, more care, right? Elkanah gave her more when, it, when he came for the sacrifice. And so she was jealous of Hannah. But Hannah was jealous of Peninnah because Hannah couldn't have kids. And so that, that tough relationship developed between the two women. That's what also made Hannah's life as a wife and as a mother difficult. Here's the good news. Families, you need to hear this. God blessed that mess. So in the midst of a church that wasn't providing her her needs, and in the midst of a blended family with dysfunction written all over it and strife in relationships, in the midst of all that is the happy news that Hannah is this godly woman who prays to God and says, bless me with a child, and God gives her a son named Samuel, and God has many blessings in store for you, even when your family and your church are not perfect. God can work around it, and he does all the time. That's for your comfort and your encouragement. Now here's, here's a suggestion. Moms, be careful that you don't look too much to the church and too much to family and community to raise your kid. 
Don't, don't abdicate to them the important role you have as a mother. Typically, moms take that up in the secular realm. They don't let you know, this first grade teacher go hog wild teaching their child things that they don't agree with. But I see a lot of times parents wanting the church to raise their children spiritually. And moms, the influence that you have on your kids in that, that realm is so important. Um, I would suggest this. The best sermons that children ever hear are sermons preached by mom, not by pastor. And those sermons are your day-to-day reaction to stress, your day-to-day decision-making with your husband, your day-to-day nurture and care of them as you represent God to them. Your year-to-year, as the years grow and as they grow, influence on your children spiritually. You saw it in the video that we watched, right? It is so important for your children. They have been so blessed by it, all of you who have nurtured your children that way. And, and we look at our own moms who are Christian moms and raise us with that and thank God for them and see how important that was. If you want to review that today and want something that's kind of neat to send to your mom as a thank you, you can go to the Holy Word website or the Holy Word Facebook page and there's a blog there that we posted this morning at 5 a.m. And uh, the theme of the blog is a Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. All right? They're saying, moms, you can do so much more for your kids than even a pastor can do sometimes. And that's very true. So uh, be encouraged by that. Share that with your mom today. You can go to our website or our Facebook page and get that. So, the kind of kids who tend to grow up and still be active in the church and in their faith are the kind of kids who have a mom who modeled that for them as they were growing up, especially in their early years. Especially, I mean, after five years old, trying to change the personality and character and the, and the worldview of a child is very difficult. Early on is the most important time frame, those first five years, but even afterwards. That influence of a mother is so important. Uh, Hannah was a mother who gave the Lord to her son. She gave the Lord to her son. She reminds me of uh, what Paul writes when he's writing to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in the early Christian church. And Paul writes about his mother and grandmother and this passing along of the faith. So this is, if you have your Bible here, look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. And Paul's going to mention this influence of a mother, a praying mother, a mother who models Bible reading and her children see her doing it and they know she prays and and she attends church and brings them with her, right? 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul writes this about Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. Like Timothy's mother and grandmother, Samuel's mother Hannah, didn't just have the faith, but modeled the faith for her son. And she was a praying woman, and he saw her pray. And he saw her trust in the Lord, and... And he modeled it in his own life, too. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this vow that Hannah made. 
uh, in two ways. She made this vow when she prayed to God. You know, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. So now, Hannah wasn't just giving the Lord to her son. By raising him spiritually, she was giving her son to the Lord. And here's what that looked like. When he was about three, maybe four years old, it was time for him to keep her vow and to take him to the temple. And there, she would give him to the church as a pastor or as a prophet or a priest in those days. And so, that's what she did. At that age, I mean, so, you, mom, do you think it's tough taking your kid to kindergarten? I mean, she took her four or five-year-old son, Samuel, and there wasn't going to be any Little League. And there, there weren't going to be any pool parties, and there would be no sleepovers, and there would be no friends coming over and staying at the house, and there would be no family picnics. No. She gave him away to the church, and that's where he would live and work and play and stay. Moms, would you be willing to consider doing that with your little boys? Maybe not to that extreme, but would you be willing to consider encouraging your son to be a pastor? Or your daughter a teacher in our church body? It's the best job in the world. You get paid to read the Bible. You get to share the message of it. You get to make an eternal difference in the lives of people. You get to grow in your own faith as you experience the Word of God at work in people's lives. Would you, moms and dads, would you please consider encouraging your son to be a pastor? We need them so much in our world. Um, our church body is, has a shortage of them. We have a shortage of teachers. We're trying to call a preschool director right now at Holy Word. There are 18 churches in our church body right now that do not have a preschool director that are trying to get, like, get the one that we have. We're, we're in line. Right? We have a shortage of teachers and pastors in our church body, and it's a great job. So uh, Hannah sets a good example of not just giving the Lord to her son, but giving her son to the Lord. Here's the other thing that's going on there. Um, I want you to just take note of verse 23 in 1 Samuel 1. It says this, Do what seems best to you. This is her husband Elkanah talking to her now. As, as he thought she was going to bring Samuel to the temple, he said, Stay here until you have weaned him, only may the Lord make good his word. So, but she, she wanted to finish nursing Samuel. In those days, kids nursed a lot longer, even to three or four, maybe five years old. Okay? In that culture, they just tended to nurse a little longer. And so this, he's about that age right now. Her husband is saying, it's about time for you to take him to the temple, take you to, to give him to the church. And she says, I'm not ready yet. That's why Elkanah says that the Lord is going to keep his word. So this vow between Hannah and the Lord was two ways. She promised the Lord that she was going to give the Lord her son, and the Lord promised, first of all, that he would have a major presence and influence in that little boy's life as, his, as Samuel would serve the Lord. And so that's what Samuel's mother wanted. She, this is so important, she needed another year to do what? To teach her little three or four or five-year-old more about the Lord. To continue to give her 
give the Lord her son as she was seeking to give her son to the Lord. And that was just a, a two-way street. And then it ended up, when she did take him to become a prophet, Samuel became one of the most prolific, successful, godly prophets of God in the Old Testament. Hannah listened to God. Samuel, Shemuel, the Hebrew means listens to God, hears God. That's why Samuel was so successful as a prophet. Like his mother, he listened to God. Remember that story of Samuel when he was a young boy in the temple? And God said at night, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and he went to Eli the high priest saying, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And he did that three times and finally, right, Samuel heard the Lord and said, speak, Lord, your servant is. Mm -hmm. You want to be successful even if you're not a pastor or a prophet? You want to be successful in your career, in your calling from God? Listen to God. Listen to his word, Samuel did. And his mom taught him how. Um, there's some various events here that I'm posting up on the projection of, of Samuel's career. He anointed David. Um, he was a faithful prophet, speaking powerfully the word of God to his peers when he was 18 years old. And even when he was older, he was a leader of God for Israel uh, for many years because of his mother's influence and God's blessing through it. So, okay, um, wouldn't it be nice... Wouldn't it be nice if all of our children were like Samuel? Wouldn't it be nice if we sought to spiritually influence them and when they became grown children and even before that, Jesus was number one in their life. They wouldn't dream of missing church. They'd go to college and, and all their friends would sleep in on Sunday and they'd be leading a Bible study on Sunday morning. And then they'd graduate from college and get a job and move off halfway across the country and have kids of their own and they'd get them baptized and they'd be active church members and, we, and as parents we'd never worry about them, we'd never harass them about going to church like we did. They would just, they'd be active in their spiritual life. Wouldn't that be nice? Those of you who are little toddlers, get ready. Those of you with grown children, you know this. Those of you with teens, it's maybe coming already. Maybe some of you were these kids. <laughs> and now you've returned and come back from drifting from the faith. Wouldn't it be nice if they were all Samuels? But they're not. And that just means they're human. And so are we as parents. Wouldn't it be nice... If our, if our growing children who weren't Samuels and were straying from the faith and we weren't sure where they are with God, wouldn't it be nice though if they had a Samuel, had a friend who was like Samuel, who was always there to mentor them and guide them and remind them and, and show them God's love? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, that's, not, that's not realistic either. Maybe your growing children have friends you don't want them to have even. But I tell you what, here's the promise of God. Your growing children have someone better than Samuel. Better than Samuel is the great Samuel, the miracle child whom God gave not just to Mary, but to all of us, his own son. The miracle child Jesus, who was given to the Lord, 
As a prophet, absolutely, but so much more. Who is given to the Lord to be the sacrifice for all of our sins, to die for us, to never forget us, and to make us the promise, yes, I, Jesus, am going to love and lead your growing children. Be concerned, be active, but don't worry. They're in my care. I'm their good shepherd. I'm their savior. I died for them too. I love them very much. So our growing children have that promise of the best Samuel with them. Not the real one, but the Samuel named Jesus. Um, They belong to him. Your children belong to God. And they always will. Especially if they're baptized especially if you taught them God's word and they're his children, they're spiritual children, they belong to God. Our children here in this congregation belong to God. We want the children in our community to belong to God. We're building a preschool. This is important to pass the faith from generation to generation. But it's not all on us. When you feel like it is, remember that God loves your children. He loves the children of this church, the children of this community, and that they first belong to him. So moms, rest easy, relax. Your children, whether they are on your lap, bouncing on your knee, or whether they leave the house and you need to let them go, your children belong to the Lord. So give the Lord to your children and give your children to the Lord. And Christian mothers make the best mothers ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we've seen from the scriptures a mother in action, and you in action in her life and through her to bless her family and the church and this world. Thank you for these comforting words that you give to us, especially comforting mothers today. Words that are words of gratefulness, causing us to give thanks for our mothers and their influence in our lives. Words of forgiveness where there needs to be healing. Words of guidance for us, how to treat our mothers and how mothers can parent their children today. May all of these words, God, find a place in our hearts. May they take root, and then we pray that we can put them into practice in our lives with the very strength and the very wisdom of your own Son and of the Holy Spirit who bless us. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Lord. Amen.